Hello, everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when the office actually ended because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host. And with me is my co host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hey, everyone. Today, we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 21, Conflict Resolution. In this episode, Michael takes over some HR duties, everyone is on edge, and Jim contemplates his future. This episode's cold open basically sets up a problem that will arise later on in this episode. A lot of it revolves around different aspects of Pam's wedding planning. Jim is still avoiding that wedding planning, and so whenever it comes up in conversation with others, he is trying to dodge the conversation and get out of the room. So, for example, Phyllis excitedly tells Pam that she received the save the date in the mail. Angela was also in the kitchen at this time and sort of makes it awkward and says, I didn't receive a save the date. So it's very dangerous in an office that small to give some people save the dates and to also, like, Pam's been pretty visible and out in the open and planning the wedding. So for her to not invite everyone is kind of a a dangerous road to go. For sure. It's not even about, like, talking about the wedding that makes it awkward. Like you said, in an office that small, Mm -hmm. everyone's going to know pretty much everybody's business. So it's not like Pam could show up on, you know, June 13th or whatever the Monday is after her wedding if she's not on her honeymoon and just be like, somebody be like, oh, you know, what happened? What, you know, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, I got married. Like, can't really hide that, especially if you are inviting certain people from the office to the wedding. And the reason Pam does not want to invite Angela is that Pam does not want anyone at her wedding that has previously called her a hussy, which is fair. That's fair. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, you should be able to invite the people that you want to invite to your wedding. However, I guess in this situation, you need to be prepared for the people to who are not invited to probably have some feelings about that. For sure. We also learn in this whole cold open that Kevin is in a band. So we get a little nugget about Kevin here. We open the main part of the episode with Michael explaining to the camera that it is photo ID day. And that really just gives us an excuse to be in Michael's office as he is talking to Ryan just seemingly about nothing probably just the opportunity to hang out with ryan for a little bit and we hear some yelling in the conference room i think that the photo id thing is an extension of dwight's special uh assignment as head of security i agree because he seems to be there for all the photos yeah he's overseeing uh this development So the yelling in the conference room turns out to be Oscar complaining, venting, if you will, to Toby. The crux of Oscar's complaint is the poster that Angela received for Christmas. So we think back to the Christmas episode, Curtis, and that creepy, weird, babies playing instruments poster that she received from Oscar, actually. 
I right? didn't. I didn't even think about that. Yes, it I is believe, from Oscar. I believe Oscar was the one that purchased it. So she received this poster. She loves it. She keeps it up. And after all this time, so seemingly a couple months, let's say, Oscar is very offended by it now. Finds it distasteful and awful. And so Michael's wondering why that Oscar's in the conference room yelling at Toby about it. And this is Toby's method for conflict resolution. Yes, there is a lot of fallout in this episode And I think some of it has to do with Toby's management of complaints. Agree. A lot of these things, as we will see later on in the episode, it seems like a lot of these things are people just trying to get things off their chest. And it seems as though Toby's philosophy on this is anytime somebody comes to him with a complaint, it is an official complaint. It, like, it does not take that person saying, hey, I would like to file an official complaint on mm-hmm. X person. It is basically just anytime somebody comes in and talks to him about something, he's writing it down and putting it in a file. He never takes off his HR hat, but I would also say he doesn't do anything more than write it down. He says the way he views conflict management is similar to if you advise someone to just write an angry letter stick it in a drawer for a couple days and then see if you want to still send it honestly i'm not i don't think it's that big of a deal most of these aren't but there are a couple that are like direct meanness or sure um, sure things like that like things like the party planning committee and angela and phyllis's dispute is coming to mind as something that probably needed greater mediation than just write it down let the feelings fizzle so something that's an ongoing problem probably needs more from hr than what he's giving right and so i guess if his philosophy is let it just simmer and i i guess for the most part i agree with him on that like most office drama is just petty stuff that really is it in the moment one-time thing and it's not going to be that big of a deal in a week or whatever yeah it's people having to be in close proximity to each other right and so essentially toby's philosophy is in this is i guess this is the part i agree on is that there's no reason to take these things to the next step because then you are doing as we will see later in this episode you were getting people face-to-face, and that's when things are getting awkward because you are telling, essentially, you are telling the complain e that the complainer has a problem with them. Right. Something that up to this, no one, they did not know. So you are creating an additional problem on top of the seemingly minor problem that will go away in the next week or so and so the problem that is being created is more than likely going to fester on longer than just oh stanley keeps using my miracle whip yes and michael is very appalled at toby's 
management of these conflicts. He thinks that we need to have these heart-to-hearts and get to the issue of the matter and resolve it. So he decides to grab Pam, grab Angela, grab this ginormous binder that's called the Mediator's Tool Chest and actually fix these problems. So the Mediator's Tool Chest has five different styles of conflict. And he starts with lose-lose and everyone's like, just skip ahead to win-win or whatever is the end. And it turns out the end is win-win-win, meaning that everyone wins, including Michael, who has successfully mediated a conflict at work. So knowing Michael, he is going to focus on this because that means he did a good job. Yes, that's on the back. Exactly. Recognition for him. Can I tell a quick anecdote about win-win-win? Go ahead. So uh, several of my friends in college were in the school of business and were taking like finance and business and management classes. And win-win-win is a real thing mm-hmm. that is taught in sort of uh, business and management style classes. And my friend was so upset and bothered by something that he had watched and laughed at at the office was being taught in his college course. I could see that. I'm sure they took it from like a real uh, management class or management uh, courses. So Michael takes on this complaint from Oscar about Angela's poster. And they go to it, they're looking at it, and they're trying to figure out what's the way they can get to win, win, win. And Michael comes up with an idea that they will make this poster into a t-shirt that Oscar will wear because then Oscar won't see it and Angela can see it anytime she looks at Oscar. Which is crazy. Right. Let's just think about that as a, as a solution that he's actually putting out there. Because of course Oscar will see this t-shirt. He has the ability as a human to move his neck down and look down at his chest. Yeah, and that's just sort of insane because it also presupposes that Angela is going to always be looking at Oscar. Sure. And the reasoning, both have very strongly held feelings about why they love or hate this poster. For sure. Probably, Probably over the top. So, like, this is definitely one of those situations where unfortunately I'm going to side with Angela because that is Angela's like personal workspace. Yeah, it's just unfortunate they have an open concept for land. Right. I don't think that that poster while it may be in bad taste isn't like offensive. I I have a right. hard time thinking that anybody like in a office setting, if this conflict actually happened and it went through conflict resolution, that anybody would say that, yeah, that poster is offensive. You have to take it down. So, so I do think that this situation is something that, I'm sorry, Oscar kind of just has to get over it. Yeah, and there's probably ways that she could maybe hang it up in her space that it's not so out there or in Oscar's line of sight or something. Sure. Pam actually has a good brainstorming idea. 
She says that maybe Angela can hang the poster only on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Michael jumps in and says, no, that's a compromise, which is style three, meaning it's not ideal because we're not getting to win, win, win. Right. And I would argue that Michael's proposition is a lose win because Oscar's not getting anything out of this. No. He is, he, in fact, he now has to wear a t-shirt with this poster that he hates on it. So obviously not a good proposition for a conflict resolution. And there's no way to solve this solution that doesn't result in a compromise because one person is always going to be disappointed if you do take the poster down or keep the poster up. Right. I would even say that Pam's idea is kind of a dumb idea also. It's like, really, you're going to make somebody take a poster down and then put it up the next day? day. Like, have... Angela put it up at her house like I know that's also a good point like take it home (laughs) yeah so we get to the end of this interaction and Michael of course since he is so focused on him getting something out of this says that his idea of making the the poster into a t-shirt is the best idea and that's what we're gonna do and done and that's it yeah that's he resolved that conflict in his mind on to the next one and he goes to toby and he says there's got to be other conflicts let me see him toby tries to prevent him from getting the folder not very well he only does like a one-handed grab on the folder to sort of prevent michael from taking it michael rips it from his hands and says that had to be a lose win that was ugly (laughs) Not the style he wanted to go for. There are a lot of complaints in this file. Most of them are like weirdly handwritten in the sense that someone either came to Toby or Toby wasn't at his desk, I guess, when he heard him and he just goes back and scribbles it on a piece of paper is what it appeared to be to me. So Michael announces to the office that he is going to resolve all their complaints Toby has done nothing for them. Merely listening is not getting them anywhere. And so they're getting it all out in the open. He starts with Angela. Has to get in a that's what she said joke in there. Because Angela says, you've already done me. And it turns out that Angela has lodged complaints against everyone in the office. Except for Dwight. But a lot of complaints were redacted against Dwight about six months ago. And Dwight is confused. He's not putting all the pieces together here. He's like, why would someone redact all their complaints against me six months ago? Which takes a lot of forethought on Angela's part, by the way. Let's think about that. She knew she was complaining about this man, started dating him, and then decided to go back to Toby to redact all those complaints. Sure. Kind of, I don't know, it's kind of crazy to me. And it's getting awkward, and Pam decides to try to diffuse the tension of people trying to connect all the dots with Angela and Dwight, and says, okay, I volunteer. Who's got a complaint against me? Turns out there's only one complaint. It's already been redacted. But she wants to know what it is. And it's a complaint against her planning her wedding on company time. Can't she do that at home? A valid complaint. Valid complaint. Pam assumes it's Angela who lodged the complaint and redacted it. Yeah, and this is kind of a big leap 
on Pam's part. Sure, Angela has complained about literally everyone in the office except for one person. But Pam gets real, real upset about something that she has no evidence on. And it's just interesting because Pam decides against her better judgment to also give Angela a save the date. Angela shows the save the date to the camera. It's handwritten in, so she just had a blank that she filled in. For sure. Uh, to give to Angela. And then Angela complains about it. Not she 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 just has a a quit she a is like, it. oh, it's really nice that I got this, but uh, it's not my taste. It's not my taste. Yes. So Angela also doesn't have any self awareness for how she is perceived or, you know, gives off any sort of vibe in the office. Right. So Michael's style of conflict resolution of just getting things out there is unsurprisingly putting everyone on edge. You can tell that the vibe in the office is not positive. Yes. And this is this is kind of one of those moments where there are very small things about an episode that the writers put in that in the bigger scope of things is kind of the perfect installation in the episode. In this Elaborate. case, so in this case, it's the photos. As people are going back and taking their photos, they are getting like they are basically just sitting there with gotcha. yes. just plain stone faces because everyone's pissed off. Yes, it's just been a frustrating day for people and it's just bringing up a lot of things like we said earlier maybe can't get resolved maybe it's just this complaint you have about this person because you have differing personalities one of the complaints so Angela is in the conference room for a very long time she's they're going through the complaints she has against people one of the complaints she has against Phyllis is that Phyllis they don't have assigned parking spaces but Phyllis parks in the space that Angela wants to park in so that's just Angela making up a conflict, you know? Right. It's not that big of a parking lot. There's not that many people. It shouldn't really matter. Nope. Phyllis, there's several complaints. And the worst part about that is that Angela essentially bullies Phyllis into being like, well, yeah, I guess you're right. Like, Angela is essentially making the same argument back to Phyllis that right. Phyllis is making in that Phyllis is saying, there's no assigned parking. I'm sorry that I'm parking in the, in quote, your spot. Yeah, the spot you've assigned to yourself. Right. And Phil Angela is essentially saying back to Phyllis, it's an open parking lot. You can park wherever you want. And it's kind of like, yeah, Angela, you can park wherever you want. Yeah, so Angela just has the time. Some people just have the time to fill up with petty grudges. And I don't think they realize how miserable they make themselves on purpose, maybe. Right. <laughs> um, poor Phyllis also has several. So Stanley has a complaint against Phyllis that's also kind of minor and silly. I don't even know how it would have come up to Toby. He just says that Phyllis cries too much. And, and Phyllis says, well, Stanley and I are close. 
and he says we sit close so this is just dredging up also these differences in how people view the relationship with the someone that sits right beside him every day you know and how different that is from the other person and how they view it so that's why that's also contributing to this sour mood around the office for sure and of course the prime example of differences in personalities in this entire show is between Dwight and Jim. (laughs) And so earlier in the episode, Toby has pointed out that every Friday, Dwight has a standing appointment with him at four o'clock to go over the complaints that he has about Jim for that week. And he has a special file that he sends to New York, which is just a box under his desk. And as these complaints are getting hashed out around the office, Toby accidentally lets it slip that this file doesn't actually go to New York. It is still with him. And of course, none of this is being resolved. So Dwight is furious about this. He goes to Michael and demands that they go through this file demands that Jim be reprimanded for these things and goes so far to say as by the end of this day, either I don't work here anymore or Jim doesn't work here anymore. Yes, Dwight is irate that Toby has not been taking his complaint seriously. He says four years of malfeasance have been unaddressed. And while they're waiting for the conference room with Michael to open up, Dwight notes that there is a sales manager position open at Stanford and Jim should be applying and really plants this seed to Jim that, you know what, there's another job out there. And that seed really begins to grow as Michael goes through all these complaints. For sure. So Jim and Dwight are in the conference room Locked in a cage match, as Michael puts it. And they're not coming out until they get these things hammered out. Which they're... So, I'd like to just point out, as we go through the list of Dwight's complaints, they're very different than the complaints that have been lodged, for example, by Angela. Right. So, this essentially becomes, for the viewer a list of pranks that Jim has pulled that we haven't gotten a chance to see. And some of them are very good. And occasionally we get some just one-on-ones with Jim explaining these pranks. Yeah, he he described how they got pulled off. Right. So the first one is somebody replaced all of Dwight's pens and pencils with crayons. The next one is that... Everyone has been calling Dwight Dwayne all day. And he suspects Jim. Right. And so we get a cutaway to Jim and he's like, yep, I paid everybody $5 to do it. And it was worth it. Yeah. Dwight also told Toby that someone put a bloody glove in his desk and Jim tried to convince Dwight that he committed murder. But Dwight suspects Jim is the murderer. (laughs) Jim also informed Dwight one morning that there was an abandoned infant in the women's restroom and Dwight needed to intervene. When Dwight went in there, he saw Meredith 
sitting on the can. <laughs> which everyone's response in which to which Jim and Michael sort of make like a like a a face uh, like of like gross. Yeah, yeah, like oh god. This one is my favorite. Yes. Dwight says that he hit himself in the head with his phone and he somehow suspects that Jim is involved. And this is really funny in its simplicity because the entire complaint is I knocked myself in the head with my phone. Yeah, there's, there is no other party involved in this. This is a complaint between Dwight and his phone, essentially. But because of history, he suspects Jim is involved. And in a one-on-one -on -one with the camera, Jim's like, yep, I just put nickels in his handset, let him get used to the weight, and then one day just took them all out. <laughs> Which is funny. Yeah. One day, as Dwight tried to type his name, it would only show up as diapers. He couldn't type Dwight. Jim said it was a simple macro code. Yeah. And it is with this prank that we start to see a change in Jim's attitude. He also, he follows up explaining this prank with, you know, some of these aren't all that funny when you just list them out. Yeah, he, he started out, when he was explaining, you know, everyone calling Dwight Dwayne for the day, he started out excited and like thinking it was funny and it was worth it. And as it goes on, he's just realizing how much of his days over the past four years have been spent on the pranks. So maybe it fulfilled him for that day. But when you look at the totality of something, you're realizing this is really disappointed. Like, what have I done with my time? And that really comes through in the last prank that is described in which Dwight says... His desk is about two feet closer to the copier. And Jim's like, yep, I just moved it an inch every time that he went to the bathroom. And he's like, and that's how I spent my day that day. And it is at this point that you can see a very kind of defeated and pensive look in Jim's face where he is definitely analyzing, what am I doing? Yes. Michael takes a break uh, with Jim and Dwight. And during the break, Jim really contemplates the transfer to Stanford. He says to Dwight, maybe Stanford wouldn't be so bad. And Dwight tells him it's a bigger market, lots more volume. So you can tell that the that seed has really germinated even over, let's say, an hour of time for Jim. And there's also a weird line thrown in there where Jim says, Maybe we should both go. Yeah. And it's kind of like a, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of a, what do you think is Jim is thinking with that line? I think he thinks fresh start for both and the volume thing, since Dwight knew so much about it, he's like, you'd probably be good at this. I think he's recognizing Dwight's acumen as a salesperson. Do you think it has something to do with the fact that Jim, it's one of two things. Jim actually enjoys Dwight. Yes. Or that Jim doesn't know what he would do with himself without Dwight and, you know, 
pranking Dwight, essentially. Both. I think both. Okay. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. And I think Jim's pensiveness also comes from the groundwork that's been laid the past couple episodes and what we saw in the cold open. Pam's wedding, Pam's inability to recognize her feelings towards him, this need for a change, the wanting to take a trip to Australia. Because Pam complains to Jim early in the episode about giving the save the date to Angela and at this point she thinks Angela was the one that lodged the complaint about the wedding planning yeah and she's like I just can't believe this this is so frustrating to me I've only been nice to her I've kept her secret about her dating Dwight why is she like this Jim asks Pam how Roy feels about all this about how Roy feels about inviting her to the wedding Pam says I don't know I try not to bother him with this stuff and Jim's response is, oh, like your thoughts and feelings. And you can tell he's just annoyed. So he's reaching his breaking point. We've been getting to this point over the back half of the season. For Jim, it's it's sort of this crossroads here. Michael's solution to everyone's moodiness and sourness is to take a group photo. I don't think that he thinks that's the solution. I think he's oblivious. You think I so? I think he thinks that... Oh, look at all this great work I did. I got all these problems out in the open. Yeah, everyone, everything's, everything's fixed. Sold. Everybody is happy with each other. We need to take a great group photo. Yeah. He has to pay $20 per photo because that's not what the photographer taking the ID photos is there for. It takes eight tries. <laughs> a lot of money. And in the end, he has to Photoshop most of it. Angela is standing next to Pam while they're trying to take the photo. And Pam wants to confront her there. Jim is sort of right behind Pam. And as Pam is confronting Angela, Jim says, Pam, it wasn't her. It was me. I was just, had a moment of frustration. I took it right back. I'm sorry. And then you hear Phyllis just say, oh dear. She knows, like Phyllis knows. Phyllis is aware of everything she's astute right which says something for pam because she's not she there is no follow-up to that there is right. no well why would you be so frustrated about this right. what what about me planning my wedding at the office makes you why does that bother you yeah that's a really good point she's like and oh, okay especially with a put two and two together where she already knows that Jim isn't going to be there for her wedding. Yeah. He's making a point to not be there. He's going to be in Australia, supposedly. Right. So there is there is no recognition of, on Pam's part, of why these things would bother Jim. Right. It, it's complete obliviousness there. The next morning, Pam is checking the office voicemail. And there is a message from Jim saying he's got an appointment in the city, which is weird that he would have a doctor's appointment in New York City. Uh, but let's ignore that. <laughs> and says he'll be in late. Turns out Jim has gone to Dunder Mifflin headquarters to visit Jan and to inquire, we suspect, about the Stanford transfer. Right. So Jim 
is finally taking steps to address the issues that he has with Pam, albeit in a way that he is still avoiding the problem at large. Yeah, but I feel like in this situation when there's not much you can do about the problem, self-care may look like removing yourself from the trigger. I guess so, and maybe he doesn't want to be the person that breaks up a relationship. Sure. But he knows it. He knows that this is not a good relationship because Pam tells him that not not directly but right i mean sows enough she she gives enough detail i mean this the interaction that they have in the little break area where jim's just like so you don't talk to roy about your thoughts and feelings pam doesn't fight back at that at all like it's a clear shot at her relationship and pam's just like yeah pretty much yeah that's how it goes for us Yeah. yeah so i feel like If Jim truly doesn't want to run away from this, he can at least go to Pam and be like, hey, here's the deal. I'm in love with you. I think Roy is terrible for you. I think you think Roy is terrible for you. You just are too afraid to do something about it. Lay your cards on the table, and if Pam is still like, nah, that's not going to work, all right. To Stanford you go. Well, Curtis, stay tuned. Oh. (laughs) Can I bring back something that we talked about? I can't remember if it was in the season one episode or an episode from earlier this year where we talked about, do we think Jim is sort of terrorizing Dwight? I would say yes, because there is no response from Dwight. This isn't a playful joking thing where Jim does something Dwight does something playful to get him back. Jim does something playful to get him back. And it's just an extended chain of jokes that they just play on each other because they're friends and they're just having fun in the office. Yeah, it's not like the movie Tag or something. Right, this is all one-sided. Yes. Yeah, and the, I don't know, it was probably on BuzzFeed or whatever. The thing that I saw insinuated that perhaps Dwight was maybe neuroatypical. We don't have any hard evidence of that um that maybe this was this person terrorizing a neuroatypical person right so we wrap up this episode with everybody pissed off at each other and jim is contemplating leaving for stanford yeah so let's go to the annex with antoinette and find out any fun facts about this episode Surprisingly, there were not very many. The only thing that I saw that would be a little intriguing is that the ending is sort of patterned after Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I will admit I've not seen that movie, The but the ending of where Toby puts the box um, in, I believe it's the box of complaints, just in the warehouse with all these other boxes of paper is similar to how Raiders of the Lost Ark ended, ends. Unfortunately, I don't believe I have seen that movie either. At least not recently enough to remember the ending. Yes. So 
I don't think we have any firings for today. Do you agree? I would agree with that. Michael comes real, real close when he essentially just takes over Toby's HR duties, takes his file of yeah. complaints. Aggressively. Right. And essentially is, is violating the confidentiality that people have by filing these complaints. That's true. Do you have a Dundee to give out? The Dundee Award for the least helpful save the date goes to Pam's because the save the date, now it did just have the date, so I guess you could say it's serving its purpose, but the place was TBD, which seems a little weird, yes? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I suppose that that's what the actual invite is for, is giving the rest of that information. Yeah, it normally says at least a, like, a city. Sure. So you have to assume it's in Scranton. But wouldn't you be just so mad if you then got the invitation thinking it's going to be in Scranton and it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to Napa Valley or whatever. Right. <laughs> I just think that's so unhelpful. Sure. What is your Dundee? My Dundee is best pricing model, and that goes to the photographer <laughs> who is, as we said earlier, is charging Michael $20 per picture that he takes and it at one point is very clear that he is just snapping photos knowing that Michael is just going to shell over another $20 because Michael's like all right here we go one two and then the picture the <laughs> photographer will take the picture at two and so Michael's not ready and he keeps doing this <laughs> this also kind of goes to something that Antoinette and I have talked about in that Photographers in in this day and age are, especially wedding photographers, are amazingly overpriced. Oh, my God. Because you are essentially paying them for their time. In the past, when photographers had to buy film, had to pay to get it developed, mm-hmm. had to go through them and figure out which ones are the good ones? Yeah, you you weren't able to see the photo right after you took it. Right. It, like, they have to pay for all of that stuff. There's pricing built into having to buy the film and buying the mm-hmm. developing materials and things of, like, that nature. Mm-hmm. Now, it is literally, they take a picture, they look at it, they can see, oh, that person's eyes were open, or, oh, that person's eyes were closed, let's take another one. Right. So... The camera, the equipment that they have, you have to assume, is already paid off. Yeah. The photo editing equipment that they have on their computer, probably already paid off. Maybe there's a subscription to it. Um, So essentially, you are paying them to take the time to take your pictures and to take the time to edit them. Or you could have a photographer like ours that barely edited them, so what are you really paying for then? Sure. So... The pricing was established when there was material going into it and no photographer is going to go, oh, I don't have to get all that stuff anymore. I'm going to, I can, I'm going to drop my prices accordingly. Mm -hmm. No, nobody's going to take less money. Oh yeah. No, they'll be like, well, I've been doing this for two years. I better raise my prices. Right. So yes, good job on that photographer for charging a bunch of money. Yeah, don't even get me started on the racket that's professional photography. 
confess. <laughs> Who is your employee of the month? My employee of the month is Phyllis because I admire Phyllis's sort of positive outlook and innocence. And she starts the episode very innocent because she says that both her and Angela and her and Stanley are close. And neither of those people think that about Phyllis, which is so sad. And she's just a sweet person. By the end, she is so fed up with Angela. She slams the refrigerator closed so that Angela can't get in there. And then as Michael is trying to sort of mediate their problems, she just says to Angela, I don't like you. Mm -hmm. And I guess kudos to her for being honest about her feelings, although... You know, Angela really pushed her there, but... For sure. Who is your employee of the month? I also have Phyllis as my employee (laughs) of the month for the second half of what you said, essentially because she finally stood up to Angela and just says, I hate you. And the the Angela-Phyllis relationship takes many turns over the course of this show. For sure. And we will get to those in the future. So next week... Next week, season two finale. It is a finale that has more reverberations across the remaining seasons than probably any other season finale, I would say. I would agree with that. Yeah. So come back next week for that. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates. And be sure to keep listening to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Play, and be sure to keep listening to us on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate us, subscribe to us, wherever you can do that, just to get our names out there. And thanks for listening, and we will see you guys next time. See ya. Bye.